I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass, and Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly brought to you by Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. If you are new and tuning in for the first time every week, we will provide you with expert analysis of the club and international scene. Our esteemed panellists will answer the hard question posed by you at home, as well as a few comparably softball ones from me. And they will take you behind the whitewash with key insights into the game you love. If you're a returning listener, you know all of this already, of course. But here's what you don't know. During the Rugby World Cup, we are going to rain down upon you with podcasts like the Hammers of Hell. Too far? <laughs> We've got loads of extra hashtag content lined up for you over the next few months. We will also be giving away plenty of prizes starting today with three tickets, three pairs of tickets rather, to Ireland versus Italy on Saturday. We'll sort all of that later on in the show. My own name is Gavin Casey, joined in studio as per usual by the big man Murray Kinsella of the 42. How are you, Murray? I'm fantastic. I've missed this. I'm pretty excited to get, to get going again. Yeah, me too. We're also joined, delighted to be joined by an even bigger man, Bernard Jackman. How are you, Bernard? Excellent, thanks. Looking forward to it. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's good Good to be here and uh, good to kick off again after a little respite. Uh, exciting times. We'll be talking about, obviously, the Ireland team to play Italy and the connotations with regards to the uh, World Cup squad. We'll be looking ahead as well to, uh, or sorry, rather looking at some of Ireland's prospective opponents and their pool opponents in the World Cup, for example. How are the All Blacks and the Springboks getting on? Answer reasonably well, worryingly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as I said, we'll we'll be giving away those tickets as well later on in the show. We'll do that by uh, reaming off a load of your questions. We've plenty to get through in that alone. Uh, But gents, we might start off with that. Ireland team, two uncapped players uh, to start with anyway, Murray. Um, Mike Haley on the bench. Who's the uncapped player in the starting line to begin? Jean Klein. Ah, yeah. Jean Klein. Of in course, the second yeah. row, um, just qualifies today, actually. I That's don't know great. what specific error today he qualifies whenever his flight got in, but he's now uh, an Irish qualified player and he's going to make his debut in the second row beside Devin Toner. Um, I guess if you were looking back a year ago when you were talking about bolters, a lot of us probably didn't even think of Jean Klein because he wasn't really in the picture at that stage. He hadn't been called into a training squad, but clearly Joe Schmidt was watching him and liked what he saw. He's a very abrasive player. He's become a, a pretty key man down in Munster. Good set-piece operator. Loves clearing out rocks. Like, literally loves it. <laughs> I've interviewed him twice, and he likes smashing other human beings as hard as he can. So that probably gives you the, the insight into the kind of player he is. He's worked hard on his skills as well down in Munster as well, so has become a more rounded player. But it's really interesting to see how he goes and definitely offers something different in the, in the second row, um, potentially in a World Cup squad. Yeah, and just to mention Haley as well, probably another one who, if you were to base it on club form, wouldn't have necessarily predicted he would be involved. And yet it's a chance for him to put his hand up, Bernard, and uh, probably prove a few people wrong as much as anything. Yeah, it kind of um, justifies the Exiles program and the work that's done to try and unearth um, you know, quality players in uh, outside of Ireland with, with Irish um Heritage and you know he hasn't oh he hasn't probably been the most flashy player uh, since he's come uh, come over to play play in Ireland but um, I know from talking to players who play with him and train with him on a on day to day basis he's a very solid good communicator knows his role um, and it's going to be interesting to see him you know get the opportunity now I mean uh, like if he's I actually didn't think claim was as much of a bolter I think 
you know, he always had um, the capacity once he qualified of coming in and playing international rugby just because of of the physical nature he brings. But uh, so for me, if Haley was to make this World Cup squad, um, that'd be the biggest bolter, really. You know, because you haven't really doesn't look like a, an international class player every time you see him play. But you know, Joe very rarely makes a mistake, um, and the fact that he's getting game time in this game means he has. A, a genuine chance of, of potentially featuring so um it's going to be fascinating to watch you know how he performs and uh, uh when he gets his chance you know off the bench yeah even if he doesn't go to the world cup squad which would be it would definitely yeah, be a massive older like longer term he's probably the most like for like for rob carney because he's a really good defender you, yeah. as you say the communication good on the high ball probably has a bit more to add an attack he'll feel from from munster and i know a lot of their fans were kind of disappointed with how he did this season but as you say there's a lot more there to to, to come from him Definitely, if he, he gets off the bench and doesn't play well, you'd nearly say that's him completely out of the picture. And there's probably a couple of guys in that category in this team. You look at Dave Carney back in there for the first time since November 2017. Um, he's on the left wing and really probably needs to take this chance. If he has a, a kind of disappointing performance against Italy, will he get another opportunity or, or does Joe Schmidt go, I need to give the other wingers game time? Um, potentially Tommy O'Donnell, another guy returning from the wilderness, really. He was, what was it, March 2016 he last played? has had a horrific time with injuries, really. Um, and you think back to 2015 in the warm-ups when he dislocated his hip. Just a nasty, nasty injury. Um, and he's been through the mill. Really resilient guy um, and, and fights his way back in, even with another serious injury last season. But with such competition in the back row, you're already thinking he, he really has to take this opportunity. So straight away, it's, it's, there's quite a lot on the line for, for individuals here. Yeah, Tigburn covering back row from the bench as well. Yeah, interesting one. He's apparently been training there a, a fair bit. And I guess that versatility is massive in any 31-man squad, showing that you can uh, cover that. I, I know Ireland have predominantly seen him as a second row. He did come on, I think, and, and play six in that Australia tour when he first toured with them uh, last summer. So his kind of skill set certainly lends to lends itself to that. He obviously is a really good jackal, really good handling ability and, and pretty pacey and, and mobile around the pitch as well. So... Really interesting one, I think, and it kind of almost puts doubt in your mind. Are they going to bring potentially five back row or second rows rather even? And he covers one of the back row slots as well. So loads of permutations that way. And that little bit of versatility is key. Even looking at Chris Farrell moving into 12, having yeah. not played there for Ireland, I don't think, uh, or, or certainly not started. He's had all his starts in the 13 shirt. It's just about guys showing they can do um, more just be, besides their, their kind of predominant role or prom, predominant position. I think with Byrne and Henderson, like both can play six if you need them to. Yeah. And also while since since Henderson played, but he's well capable of and I think going to a World Cup, um, that's exactly what Joe Schmidt wants. He wants to be able to to have guys in the squad who are um who are flexible, that can fit into a different position. And, you know, the, I always thought Chris Farrell could play twelve. You know, when he was in Grenoble he played uh, he played thirteen, but he has all the attributes to be a, a very good twelve and you know that's if he has a good game this weekend, that could be a huge, you know, strength to his bow going into a tournament. And with the fact that it's so far away in Japan, you know, they will be slow to to bring someone out last minute and parachute him into a, a match day squad. So you do need to have that versatility. But Carney's an interesting one because he was always a favourite of of Joe's. Yeah. Um and it just you know, the question I would have is, given the way the World Cup or the Six Nations went, you know, is it a sign that Ireland might go back to a, a, a lot of you know aerial um, aerial focused game plan, and that's maybe why Dave Kearney could be could be a bolter. You know, if we're going to do a lot of box kicking, a lot of contestables, um, which you know I'm not saying we are, but that's what 
led us to obviously uh, you know being very successful in, in 2018 so um, he could be someone who who could potentially come in and maybe not be someone that, that said it's flashy etc but does exactly what Joe wants um, which is obviously very important yeah and he kind of did that last season he was really solid for Leinster when he yeah. played um, missed out on playing in the finals but you think of his three games in the Champions Cup were all excellent scored a really good try against Toulouse as well and it is interesting you think back to what 2014, 2015 the first two championships Ireland used to be bossing the aerial game yeah. when Kearney was in that team and that's kind of faded away almost at times it's actually has... a weakness for us Murray Again, in the Six Nations yeah. just gone we teams did that to us yeah. uh, so it was a massive shift so something that was a super strength for us became a weakness and opposition obviously the problem with the, uh, the reason we had the dominance it's like when we had a choke tackle at the start you know it was new teams hadn't got a strategy to, to counteract it um, and you know it was a massive strength for a while you know but and the same thing when you're when you're brilliant at box kicking and, and, and contesting in the air it's impossible for a team to get good at that in one week, but you know over time it becomes part of their you know their weekly and daily focus, and and they catch up. Um, and it's just it'll be interesting. Was it personnel led, or did Ireland take the eye off the ball in terms of focus on that? Um, but no better time than a, a long preseason um, to really go and perfect and try and find an edge tactically, which uh, is going to be really important to us if we're going to go deep into the tournament. Mm. Back to the future, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if other teams have uh, over time caught up with some of Ireland's tricks of the trade and a couple of dark arts, let's say, uh, what will Joe Schmidt then look uh, to implement during this pre-season? Like, well, where can Ireland move it on? Or do you actually think, Bernard, that they could revert to uh, that older style of play? I mean, not that much older, obviously. I think it's fascinating just the way with the two seasons... The Southern Hemisphere season is going to start a little bit earlier, so we've got to see the All Blacks, Japan, the box, what they're doing, and, and um, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot on, Friday, on on Saturday against Italy. You might see a little bit of what we're what we're about, but it'll over the course of of the the warm up games, you'll have to see it evolve because there's no way we can go into the World Cup having not tried and tested um, what we're going to do. You know, um, against live opposition and such. I know we can get Joe can get great competitive training sessions. Um, you know, in in the squad because he's got good depth. But the reality is they're going to have to show their hand a little bit. Um, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see what what's changed. You know, if you look at if you look at things that broke down. You know, our set piece failed in the Six Nations. Uh, our our capacity to convert a zone possession into points dropped massively. You know, our mall. When we kicked the corner. We didn't convert um, on numerous occasions. You know, can we can we fix that? How are we going to fix that? Um, our rook efficiency wasn't great. You know, teams did the job was at the breakdown. Um, again, that was something new. So was that ball carrier uh, led? You know, was it was it the clean out technique was was poor? Did we not know our, our shape? Um, so how we fix those things? You know, are going to be. Um, how quickly he's fixed them and what he's done to fix them is going to be fascinating in terms of you know how how we get back on track yeah I was enthusiastic ahead of this World Cup and you've just reminded <laughs> no, no, me how much no, no, bags no, we made I'm not, no, no, we didn't make it it's just a, t- a tiny percentage um, drop in, in one area when we were so reliant on for example we, you know, we were so reliant on our, our rook efficiency to be able to go massive amount of phases forced penalties um, and that led to uh, A-zone entries through kicking the corner or points and once you once you lose that area of domination at the uh, at the gain line and, and, and the speed of ball and being able to recycle consistently, 
you know you don't get the chances to do the other part so mm. um it's just it's just going to be uh very interesting to see a group of coaches who i believe are very tactically smart and having it's so hard to fix things in the six nations because you're going week to week whereas literally once every four years joe gets this group of players for a long period and i think he can make massive change in that period and uh you know that's that's what's exciting for me I, i'm excited about the world cup for sure uh, I'm, I'm sorry for looking back but I think we have to <laughs> be really understand what was broken before <laughs> yeah. we can fix it uh, yeah like is it something as bernard alludes to there where it's a variety of aspects that are just a couple of percentage points off. And how capable is any coach really of turning all of those around within the space of time or the time frame that Schmidt has had? Because in fairness, it, fair enough, it's the first uh, preseason game this Saturday, but they've also been in camp for you know, month, about six weeks more. Yeah, yeah. Like I think we discussed it a fair bit last season. I personally didn't think the margin between that what you would say is it was a failure, I guess, last season in Six Nations and, and then being a really successful team in the World Cup is is that wide. I, I don't think it's a, a great distance to close. There's obviously mental factors in there as well. And I think even Rory Best speaking this week was very honest about maybe sensing a bit of complacency creeping in or guys being a little percentage off in, in terms of nailing down their preparation. I think that'll be a massive part of it. And though like the results in these warm-up games don't particularly matter, and in hindsight, you don't even remember who actually won the games. There is a bit of momentum to be regained for Ireland there. Um, and that comes from training as well, from guys feeling that they're getting all that stuff nailed down. I don't think there's going to be a massive revolution in how Ireland play. I think they're going to focus on the things that we've seen for the last number of years and, and try and be a dominant set-piece team, get their maw back on, on top of the world where it was at one stage, be airily dominant. Um, and Andy Farrell's defence like really oppressive as well. So... I don't think there's going to be massive uh, change in how they attack, for example. I don't think they're going to offload out every tackle. I do you think there, there'll be a bit more link between the, the forwards and backs and some of the things they've kind of sprinkled into their play will maybe come to the fore a little bit more. Obviously, some set-piece stuff, which Joe, Joe Schmidt specialised in as well, will um, come out of the bag and he's probably been holding stuff back there as well. But it's not going to be that massive revolution, but it's a, a tightening up and, and closing that little that margin from being a, a team that's struggling in Six Nations to one that can win, top their pool, and then hopefully get beyond the quarterfinal. <laughs> yeah, given a large aspect of the perspective recovery is psychological, does that mean that this Italy game, granted, it's a sort of a makeshift or experimental Ireland team, but that the game takes on a, a level of importance purely just to start on the right foot? Like, if it, say if it goes wrong, you win by a score, as we did ahead of 2007, or, you know, draw or lose you know, the questions invariably starts to circle again. And is it an important game to actually lay down a bit of a marker just for the players themselves? Yeah, I think for the players themselves, the problem is that your first hit out is horrible. You know what I mean? Like it's no matter what you've done in preseason, um, it's so, like there's going to be individual errors, there's going to be team errors. Um, it's going to be very hard to get match pace quickly. So that's all going to take from the former. I think the game will be very scrappy. Now we could go and win reasonably easily because we probably have better individuals and uh, um you know in our team but i don't think this is going to be a, a game that we judge ireland on i think by you know by the last warm-up game against wales where you're going to come up against a team um who will also be fully tuned and you know there's a real c comparison opportunity against what happened to us with with, with the sean edwards defense in in uh in cardiff you know last round so you see okay what 
you know, are Ireland able to get over the advantage line? You know, what are we going to do? Because um, if you look at the Six Nations and how teams defended against Ireland, uh, we weren't able to break them down. When teams defend with 13 in the front line, uh, we, we struggled to, to be able to get any gain line. And um, so while you spoke about uh, Andy Farrell's rush defense, pressure, heavy pressure defense, Absolutely, yeah. When we do it, we we do it well. But we haven't really shown that we can break that down. So I think we will go back to to kicking a lot more um, yeah. and kicking well and, and put pressure on teams and making them exit and potentially opportunities open up from that from poor exits or um, or, or or errors around kick uh, kick exit from from the opposition. But um, I definitely don't think that even if we struggle through this game and only won by a score, given the, the composition of the team, given it's round one of our warm-ups, it would cause a psychological problem. But certainly if we didn't show some form in in uh, in this warm-up series, I think then we'll get in players' minds. I mean, if you look at that 07 World Cup, you know, we struggled all the way through mm. to get any kind of momentum, and that led into the first two games not being uh, not being switched on, and it became very um, pressurised. So I don't think this week is, is, is relevant from that point of view, but certainly if we don't see something, you know, even a 20-minute uh, block where we're, we're really firing all cylinders, over the course of these warm-ups, um, that's not going to be ideal. I don't. I don't think you know. But given the fact that what's happened in the past, and you know, Rory mentioned it, and it's only natural that people will have some kind of um, negativity towards our opportunity to the World Cup, and that does get into the squad. So it's very important we get some kind of performance marker before we go there. But this week, uh, it's irrelevant if we win by forty. I don't think it's going to show us that we're going to have a great World Cup. And if we win by ten, it doesn't really matter either. Yeah, you're, we're also warning people that there's going to be a lot of drop ball. Even the All Blacks in the last yeah. t- three weeks, what, like 25 plus turnovers in every game. Yeah, and they were coming on the back of yeah. Super Rugby, <laughs> you know, so there wasn't, it wasn't like us where they've been in a pre-season the next thing you're let loose yeah. on a, in a, uh, on a, in a big stadium and there's a yeah. game on. So I think this, at first I think the game will be stop-start, there'll be lots of little breaks. and um, Yeah, three pairs of tickets to give away for Ireland versus Italy this Saturday. Should be an absolute cracker. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, you alluded to them there they are the reigning champions by two so uh, let's talk about some of Ireland's prospective opponents um, well to start with provided we get out of the pool look at those uh, those two potential quarterfinal opponents in the All Blacks and the Springboks Murray in your uh, insiders newsletter to the 42 members during the week you kind of asked the question are the All Blacks generally weaker than they were in the last World Cup or is it just the case that the rest of the countries have moved a little bit closer to them uh, give us a bit of a breakdown there based on what you've seen in the rugby championship so far yeah well I enjoyed there was some kind of sentiment coming out of Australia this week some of their media pundits saying the All Blacks aren't what they were and then you see the All Blacks name they're pretty much the strongest team today and <laughs> just as a reminder I think they'll have a, a pretty strong performance this weekend but there has been that kind of debate about about the All Blacks obviously the Springboks have closed the gap between the those two nations obviously winning in Wellington last year and drawing again there a couple of weekends ago. Um, so they're competitive again. And that certainly would be my impression that everyone else is maybe taking those strides forward. The All Blacks are still elite, still World Cup favourites, justifiably um, amazing depth in, in their player pool and um, brilliant coaching staff. But take the box, for example, I think they've in the last two years under Razzie Erasmus, since he got, since he got home from Munster, have taken really impressive strides. He's obviously opened up his selection pool massively by going to overseas players and guys like Faf de Klerk are now really important to the team. He's got depth probably across the pitch now with guys, even Shock Brits coming home, you have Vincent Koch, um, Fran Stein in the, in the centre even, just to give himself quite experienced options as well, not just younger players coming into to the mix. 
Cheson Colby as well, the superstar. What a, what a player. He's a joy to watch. They've got a big pack. Uh, it's a simple enough style of play. He's kind of doing what he did at Munster at the start, focus on getting that set piece, using their physicality, allowing Jack Nienaber to bring in that really aggressive defence with the wingers. Scarily high at times. I'm kind of hands in my head mm. going, where's, he, where's that winger off to? But they're backing themselves to bring that line speed and they've got a clever attack coach. I think it's Suisse de Bruyne. Yeah. Very clever with it with a set piece kind of attacking play. So suddenly they're in really good shape and kind of ominously because when that quarterfinal draw first came through, where you think Ireland are going to play South Africa, at that time they were in a really sorry mess and it seemed like a, a decent route. But now it looks all that more difficult. You even think of Ireland closing the gap in the All Blacks, I guess, by winning twice in the last three fixtures against them. It's clear that what was a, a gulf only what five, six, seven years ago is 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 massively closed up. England are getting closer. I think Wales Grand Slam champions now, and with that defensive might that the All Blacks have been really honest in saying they've struggled against, um, it has kind of changed the picture. I do think the All Blacks will have a few answers for that, and we've probably seen hints of that as well. But per, for me, it looks like a, a very open World Cup, and I can see any of those teams we mentioned actually beating the All Blacks in a in a in a playoff game. Yeah, as Murray said there, go back a couple of years and you would have been licking your lips at the prospect of facing the Springboks in the quarterfinal. At the moment, it's there's no real right answer, I don't think, as to who you'd rather face in the quarterfinal, Bernard, is there? No, definitely not. I think the box are the team have improved most over the last 12 months. And, uh, you know, you have to take into account as well, you know, Rassi's predecessors didn't have control over... Um, selection policies. Um, there was a massive player drain out of out of South Africa. Um, the squad didn't always seem to be on the same page in, in terms of understanding their identity and, and and their culture. And I think Razi seems to have relaxed a little bit. He seems like he's, you know, he was a very much a a paint by numbers type of coach. And I'm not saying he's he's not anymore. But I think his stint in Ireland, it seems to be from the outside in and speaking to a few coaches I know in South Africa that he's really tapped into that squad harmony and um, spirit and what it means to be a Bach and, and inclusiveness and um, they seem more happier and, and playing with a smile on their face which was always you know it was something sorry it was never something you saw from from the Springboks they always seemed to play with a huge amount of pressure and um, it didn't it didn't stop them performing but it seems to be quite relaxed in their own skin and obviously the game plan is you know he's got his lieutenant uh, as a defence coach Nina Barr you know they've never been uh, poor or weak in terms of being able to uh, have a have a very tactically and technically smart or a good scrum and, and line out. Um, they've always had wonderful kickers. You know they've a lot of the key ingredients to to go f to for knockout rugby. Which and I, I I could see them beating uh, the All Blacks in in the group yeah. now and and maybe not and All Blacks going on and winning the competition. Um, but. You know, there's very little between them. That game a couple of weeks ago, you know, I would have said the referee made a few difficult calls against mm. against uh, South Africa. No, not that it matters, you know, realistically to, to the All Blacks to lose a game now. But um, I do think they, given the quality of player they have, uh, like they've got a lot of world class players and they've got very good coaching staff now. And you know, they they're for me they're, they're not far off being favourites. Far, they're not favourites, but they're not far off being favourites. Mm. They also have the best anthem. Let's be honest. That anthem is, gets me every time. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's what we well, should that's, do. That's worth two points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We should we should power rank those. Uh, <laughs> keep that exclusive for members, maybe. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, obviously, that you know, when we're saying prospective quarterfinal opponents, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to top our group. Scotland don't kick off for another weekend. And uh, but yeah. what are your very very early impressions of what they're going to be trying to do, Murray? Do you see them improving much based on what we saw in the Six Nations? 
Yeah, like they were massively disappointed with that performance, justifiably. So really key moments they didn't manage in the game and you think of them going to that five metre line out, or sorry, they had a chance for it and they tapped and went. Um, they, For me, they're still missing those, um, that composure in those big moments of games. And I do think Ireland will beat them. The, the one I'm probably more worried about now at the moment is Japan. They're flying um, yeah, first two games of the year they've looked really good. Now I think Tonga last weekend weren't Tonga really at the races. Yeah. They were they were poor, but really good performance against Fiji the week before. And Fiji had been tracking really nicely. And it's just the tempo of their attack. It's relentless. They've got players filling the pitch. Really good handling. Physically, it's been really interesting because they didn't. Jamie Joseph, the head coach, kind of kept a lot of them out of Super Rugby. They kind of seemed to play for that the Wolf Pack, which was the second team of the Sunwolves, and um, kind of completely under the radar. So he's physically been able to do whatever he wants with the guys and and, and build them up the, the perfect way in that sense. Um, and yeah, they just look clever. Tony Brown, like speaking of Joe Schmidt's set piece smarts, Tony Brown is a, a creative enough coach as well. Um, and they've got a lot of really good players that probably Irish fans won't be as aware of, but um, they're showing their quality. And like speaking of the box building momentum into it, I think Japan are doing the same. Haven't even mentioned the, the fact that they aren't going to be on home soil and and looking for a big upset. So yeah, they're definitely one to watch. And in fairness to Joe Schmidt, he's mentioned it a few times over the last year or so. Um, what, what have you made of them, Bernard? Yeah, I think that you've got, you know, Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph, um, two coaches who played together, worked together um, in in New Zealand rugby and obviously won a super, super rugby title with the Highlanders. You know, if you look back to where the Highlanders were before Jamie Joseph went in over the course of four or five years, they, they rebuilt him. Uh, and you can see a lot of the same type um, shapes, particularly in attack, that they would have worked on there. Um, they also, I think, which is more important, they understand Japanese psych culture. They both played there for a long time, and I think that's often been the issue with foreign coaches going into Japan is that they, you know, they don't understand where they've come from and how they like to prepare and how they like to train. Whereas that's not the case with this group, and they've been able to to manipulate the system. Um, because the power of the the World Cup and and the, the opportunity that is to, as you say, really control those certain players' programs six seven months out, mm. maybe more so than than even Joe Smith in the century funded system yeah. can in Ireland because Leinster, Munster, Ulster, and Connacht have all of their own agenda. Whereas he's been able to pretty much train that squad like they were a club side to a certain extent, and it can you know, and what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, you know, they seem to be very. Uh, comfortable in in how they want to play, and they've got some some outside backs who've got you know he's mentioned Chelsea Coburn, but they've got guys who've got great footwork and, and great pace, and they can play a high tempo game. They love the conditions, you know. They'll, they've never experienced a, a home support base like they're going to get. So there's a chance that there's another you know five, six, seven percent in, in in their performance. So um, they're dangerous. Listen, you'd have to fancy Ireland to be if you you know. <clears throat> Will they beat Ireland? Probably not. Ireland will put the squeeze on them, set piece, yeah. and, and and grind them down. But they're definitely a team who will cause uh, issues for for others and entertain. Yeah, it was interesting. Greg Feek during the week was mentioning about some of his player, front row players that they had bloody noses from being in really tough battles and even bad experiences in Six Nations. Like Ireland have been through a lot of those experiences. Japan probably haven't. Certainly not this group. Yeah, I know they've had some big wins in in the last couple of years, but I think Ireland would still back themselves to to have that now, as you say. Yeah, England and Wales begin their preseason in earnest uh, on Sunday at two o'clock. What can we expect from both of those, both of those two teams? Murray, uh, Wales, I suppose it's a difficult one when you have such a sensational spring. Like you don't have a huge amount to uh, to go off of in terms of improvements, and yet obviously 
Gatlin and the lads will have spotted plenty. Um, for England, like, started off so well and uh, probably didn't quite finish in the manner they would have liked. So a little bit more to work on for them. Yeah, I think the Welsh attack-wise will be the big thing. Their defence was obviously won them in the championship I would say mm-hmm. um, and they had key moments in attack but probably not um, delivering quite as much as they wanted there I think they'll feel they have to probably score more points in what is a tricky pool England I think are, are almost not quite dark horses but I think they're a decent tip for, for actually winning the competition they have a huge huge pack like physicality that is normally very even between the top test test sides I think them and the box are the two that really stand out especially if Vunapolo brothers and, and Atoje, those kind of guys are fit. Um, and they seem to be um, quite confident in how they're going to it. This is Eddie Jones's mantra all along. It's been building towards winning this World Cup. I've actually been really enjoying their little kind of docs they do. They've released all their kind of pre-season stuff behind the scenes. Um, and they look like a pretty happy camp as well. So I think they're going to be in a, a great place. And um, yeah, physically they'd, they'd worry you. Absolutely. I think uh, it's ideal for Eddie Jones because he can easily paper over the, the Six Nations given the fact that he'd always said it was about the World Cup and, you know, he got criticism from the clubs and, and, and some of the media around how intense the training was. And, and his argument was, well, it's not geared towards the Saturday in, in, in February, it's geared towards this World Cup. And I think also he's got, you know, a very strong nucleus of Saracens players who have become very accustomed to to winning. They're all, you know, quite strong leaders. They've got good game management. And you can even see them, you know, basically being involved in the likes of Farrell, etc., being very much involved in their game plan going into this. And when you have that power that they have and you have the the quality they have, you know, they're capable of, of beating anyone. You know, and it was only 12 months ago that they were, you know, we were all wondering, you know, um, how do we beat England? And mm. they've had a little blip. And even if you think back to, you know, Wales won the Grand Slam, but you look back to that game, England-Wales in, 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 the, in uh, the Principality. You know, it was only the last 10, 15 minutes that England, you know, that the Wales, you know, got the winning score. There wasn't a huge amount between them. So I think um, I agree with you. I think they are a dark horse. And I think that, you know, Eddie is very, very shrewd. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Mitchell, what influence he has as, you know, as a defence coach now, haven't had some time with him. But again, he's tactically a very smart guy. And um, they could be, you know, they, 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 they're they a live threat. Yeah, the whole thing is just so yeah. hard to, to call. I know the bookies are still standing quite firm and All Blacks are, are the clear favourites in front, but then you have like Argentina who've had that Haguara's success and essentially had their squad together for an entire year. Fiji are capable of maybe causing an upset. Yeah. Still don't seem to have found a, a really good out half, but yeah, there's loads, there's loads of strength in this World Cup. It feels like everyone has caught up a little bit more and the, the quality is spread out a little bit more evenly. Yeah, the quality is spread out across the plethora of questions we've received uh, ahead of this first episode of Season 2 of the 42 Rugby Weekly. So let's rattle through a few of them. Our first one was from uh, a gentleman called Ray at Top Laugh on Twitter. He asked, which one player is the key to a successful World Cup campaign and why is it Dave Kearney? <laughs> he said, can, I, uh, can a stupid question win the tickets by default if nobody else asks one? I suppose technically the answer to that is yes, uh, but there were a few more. A similar one here from Robert Clark on Instagram at Roberto Van Flip, a former flying winger at uh, Prez in Cork. He used to haunt me back in uh, <laughs> in our school days. He says, uh, who is the most important player in the Irish squad for the World Cup? I'd say Sexton or Van der Fleer. Hmm. The latter being an interesting shout, but actually a good shout too. Yeah, because Dan Levy was going to be probably the most important forward um, and possibly one of the best players at the tournament. He's a big loss for Ireland. So really interesting to see how Van der Fleer goes there. I would definitely say Johnny Sexton. It's the obvious answer, but he's the, the leader on the pitch. He's the guy who runs everything and 
we saw when he was in World Player of the Year form just how influential he is on every game. Not just in how he runs it, but in how he defends and his attitude. And when it wasn't going well, it was interesting that we all perceived that as a real negative of his personality given out to guys and things like that. But you see when everyone around him is is uh, on form, that, that personality and that character just drives it on. And I think he'll feel like this is his World Cup, that it's all been building towards this. Um, and he'll have no hesitation in telling the squad that this is their World Cup to win as well. I think you're going to hear them battling against the media to to deny any uh, chats about winning the World Cup, but he's a kind of person who will be driving that kind of ambition, I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think Fan of Flyers is very, very important, particularly, you know, with Sean gone, uh, with Levy gone, um, and not probably having a, a settled seven or an unformed seven in the Six Nations definitely harmed us, but Fan of Flyers is an exceptional player and uh, um, I think he's, he's going to be key and you know Tommy's getting a chance on, on Saturday but you'd have to imagine that you know if if Josh is fit he'll go ahead of Tommy yeah. uh, to the World Cup and you know Johnny's Johnny's absolutely key and I think he'll I think he'll perform I think he'll, he'll be bang on and, on form and, and he'll he'll play a huge role in in us having a good World Cup yeah that's interesting to say on the back row because we didn't really discuss no. that like there's a lot there was a lot of chat maybe that it was going to be Jack Conan, his form last season would push him into the number eight slot, maybe CJ Sander, who did slot into the open side position twice, I think, during games. You don't see that as a plan? No, I don't think so. No, I could see Conan getting ahead of uh, Stander, but uh, yeah. um, I think that if, if Josh is Van der fit, he'll start at seven. You know, potentially during games, they could move CJ to to uh, to seven. You could potentially move Peter across if you're really stuck, but I think we need an out-and-out seven. I think given, given the way... You know, our, the way Ireland play in terms of having to have um, the right numbers to, to break down someone, and also defensively, Josh is, is phenomenal. His, yeah. You know, his tackle count um, and his ability to go for 80 minutes is, is phenomenal. I think if you play a back row of, of O'Mahony, uh, Conan, and CJ, you know, given the likely opposition we're going to play, Scotland are going to go from everywhere. Or, sorry, not go from everywhere, but be very loose and um, and try and play high tempo. Japan, 100 miles an hour. Um, if you play against the All Blacks, you got to be ready to make a lot of tackles. Um, the only one that potentially you could go with the other back row would be potentially the spring box where you're just trying to meet pure physical power. Um, but I, I don't see I don't see that back row having the right balance, the one of Stander, Conan and Domani. Not that I think, don't think they're all good individually. I just don't think that would be a good uh, mix. Question here from Colin Moe 94 um, and he's going to press you for an answer. Uh, which back row would the lads like to see most start the first Rugby World Cup group match? So if you had to actually pick three yeah, it'd be, here and now. Yeah, for me it'd be Omani, Conan and Van der Fleer. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. Yeah. I think Conan's earned his shot. I think he deserves a, a, a chance to yeah, just in fairness to CJ, like his work rate and his appetite and his honesty was <clears> phenomenal and has never dipped. But what we hadn't, what what unfortunately we haven't seen over the last uh, the previous uh, four or five months of the season was that real punch in his carries mm. and and you know that second effort and uh, Conan's been able to have more big moments where he you know he makes that line break or he gets in support. Now maybe that was just because of the sheer workload that CJ had. CJ is still incredibly powerful, so. Potentially, this this preseason break from relentless contact. You look at his contacts in a game; like they're massive. They're higher than Jack's. Uh, just Jack has been more dynamic and more productive in in what he gets. So I think 
if CJ gets back to what he can do, because don't forget what we, you know, what made it his name was this really dynamic, explosive, you know, quick ball carrier, um, and potentially someone that's around our shape and you know what we're asking him to do. Um, but uh, if he gets that power back, well then, you know, he he's he's obviously a world class player. But what what I saw over the last five or six months of the season, I think Conan has looked better, mm. and he seems to have ironed out. I know. Joe Schmidt and Iron probably felt he kind of faded in and out of games at yeah. times and his concentration was an issue. Seems to have brought a more consistent kind of... Yeah, I think playing for well. Leinster regularly and, and and I'm sure the pressure that he's under to, to hit certain numbers there yeah. has just made him more comfortable being an 80-minute player or, or a 70-minute player. So uh, I, I think he has improved that. It was definitely a weakness for him. He always had that, I suppose, big moment ability, but um, I think he's improved a lot. David Tobin on Twitter at DJ Tobin asks, what do you see Ireland's bigne- uh, biggest weakness as and do you believe the other teams are capable of exposing it? So if you had to pinpoint one specific weakness, is there a glaring one? I'd say their biggest weakness is their ability to create scores and, on transition, on turnover attack, kick return. is not non-existent really. You know, it, uh, It's often about setting up a really good rook beyond the halfway line, person who catches the ball get over the halfway line allow the forwards to, to set up rook and then get into the phase play it's almost like they're playing towards that I, I never never felt like they're trying to score with that with that turnover of possession which like the stats will show you that's where that's where tries happens and, and that's where a lot of other teams are focusing that's not to say that's completely right but I'd say that's their biggest weakness if they could add a little bit more of that into the game or a little bit more threat on uh, on kick return it would make them a much more dangerous attacking team yeah, in which case, Bernard, it's not so much about other teams exposing that particular weakness, but rather that Ireland aren't really exposing other teams in their failure to transition that well. Yeah, and that's, and that's going to potentially, if we don't see an improvement in that, and Ireland have to work really hard for our scores in a condensed tournament like the World Cup, you know, that could 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 tell in terms of injuries and also fatigue. You know, um, if, if, if Japan really step up and make it a, a tough game, if Scotland step up and make it a tough game, and we have to you know, go, you know, 25 phases regularly to, to get points. Well, you know, there's naturally with less recovery time, etc. that um, that potentially could hurt us when it comes to a, a quarter final. If you look back to the last World Cup, you know, we shipped some injuries uh, and our, I think we've got better depth now. But um, by being such a team who are reliant on, on, conf- on confrontation and outworking teams, etc., in a tournament... That can be even uh, more dra- that's more draining than potentially teams who like Scotland who who could score off second phase. You know now they might concede off, off first phase, but <laughs> they they can score sometimes a little bit easier than, than we generally do by by being willing to throw that extra pass or to offload in contact or go from deep when when it doesn't look like it's on and relying on a moment of magic or defensive error. So um, that potentially, but that could change. We we could. We could open up a little bit, you know. Yeah, I love this question from Sinead Judge at Sinead Judge on Instagram. If you could disqualify one team from the World Cup, who would it be and why? <laughs> Either harsh or like <laughs> making life easier. Is that the? I think the, yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, it's up to you. Making life easier, I suppose. Well, Japan are the host. You can't disqualify. Them. <laughs> yeah. be, that now would be harsh. The pool. Um, I'm trying to think now. I don't know. Maybe they're not adding too much to it. I'll say oh that. my god. <laughs> Purge. Canada probably are going to struggle. I think it's going to be hard for them. Uh, but I wouldn't disqualify. I think, listen, I'll, I don't know what. Canada, our, our team, I, I, I actually feel bad for because I remember when the World, when the World Cup started, they were, you know, competitive and professionalism hasn't done them 
any favours. You know, there used to be a, a flood of of uh, Canadian players who played in France and Wales and, and England, um, but unfortunately with the, the visa rules and, and, and just the, f the facility or the easiness of getting players um, from the Pacific Islands and South Africa in terms of getting work permits to the UK, um, it just seems to have died out a little bit. And I just think it's it's a it's a struggle for them to be competitive in this World Cup. I think America have made strides, you know, Fiji, etc. Tonga might struggle, but Samoa have you know, brilliant players um, and are, are capable of pulling off a shock, but Canada and Namibia, you don't see them really mm. getting close. And like joking aside, it's tough, even to, there's barely any warm up for Namibia. They're playing Southern Kings twice, aren't yeah. they? Like that's not ideal preparation for trying to shock, trying to have it one shock result. Um, so that's still an issue. I know World Rugby are trying to focus on bringing up the tier two sides and Fiji has been the kind of primary focus of that for the last couple of years. But there's definitely still strides to be made there, especially when they're talking about expanding the tournament in, in the future. Um, it's so tough to come into a World Cup having only played those two two games against the same opposition, the top opposition, fourteen yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Question from Una Care: uh, How did the panel feel about Alton Delan and Rory Scandal being dropped from the squad? Although they're professionals, I thought it was harsh to be dropped before a game is even played, uh, and twelve more need to be dropped. Uh, I suppose they are professionals, Bernard, but. Not a nice feeling at the same time. No, it's not a nice feeling, but like you have to be absolutely ruthless in this. If Joe needs uh, Chris Farrell to get sixty minutes at twelve and that's part of his plan, you know, you can't you can't give him thirty minutes and give Rory Scanlon the game. If Joe like they know they know the majority of their squad now and they know the depth chart, you know, it's just the reality. We don't have time to give out game time or put someone on the bench even though you're not going to use them. Um, when every minute will count in terms of having the team match fit uh, and also selection, you know, uh, issues. Joe needs to test people out in different positions. So I, I think it's horrible, but it's the way it is. Yeah, I love Rob, Hen Rob Henderson's tweet about mm. himself and Anthony Foley being dropped in similar circumstances and bouncing back to have good careers. Uh, yeah, I think both are good players. There. Yeah, it'd be interesting to them how they bounce back and what you know when, if they don't go to the World Cup, how big a role they play for their provinces. Yeah, I think uh, we have a couple of questions that you guys have already sort of covered. Shane Kerwick asking, uh, what do Ireland need to do against Italy to show that they've improved? There's one here about uh, from Ben J23 on Twitter who was asking about Ty Burns' versatility and Sean Klein's specificity. Nailed it. Yeah, that's the kind of quality you're getting. We'll go one more um, and then we'll just give away those tickets very briefly before we sign off. It's a long one from uh, Thomas Moroni, but he sent us three tweets so uh, I think it's worth a read. He says, to me, it seems that whenever Ireland try out players who might not be first choice, they are made to play the way the incumbent likes to, rather than playing to what might be their natural strengths. So, for example, when we were playing New Zealand, Kieran, Kieran Marmion was made to operate like he was a clone of Murray. Uh, I suspect Henshaw was used as a 15 because Schmidt saw his skill set perhaps being more able to fulfill Kearney's tactical role than the others. While it makes sense for the main players to have established to have established tactical roles, could we consider at least to some extent giving the alternatives slash replacements a bit more room to try playing in a way that suits their strengths? Yeah, well, I think the coach sets the tactical roles. Certainly in Ireland's case, it is quite rigid in a lot of elements of the game. And I, I don't know if they're trying to clone what the other players are doing or rather just fulfil what the coach is asking them to do in that specific position. So there's definitely an element of that. Yeah, there is always a bit more scope for a bit of freedom there. Um, even think back to a player like Simon Zebo when he was in the team 
maybe we won't get into that one specifically, but he had certain uh, strengths that weren't really utilised, maybe coming into first receiver a little bit more often um, and elements of that. It could be a bit more free, but listen, we know Ireland have a, quite rigid tactical game plans and I think players are just trying to stick to what they're told to do. We get Zebo on the phone there for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, gentlemen. Uh, we'll give the tickets to, uh, we've got to give uh, a pair of tickets to Thomas Moroni anyway for that question. Great, great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, superb. I mean, preferably Thomas maybe send it an email in future. Uh, but <laughs> nah, no, I'm only joking. Uh, David Tobin as well. I like that one. And uh, Sinead George. That was good crack. Uh, thanks a million, guys. Thank yeah. you. Great to be back. Yep. It is superb. Uh, lovely to be joined by you. And uh, I am actually excited now for the Rugby World Cup again. I think you've you've won me back around, Bernard, despite that horrendous <laughs> <Negativity>. criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a reminder to everybody at home uh, that we've recent, recently uh, launched our membership program on the 42. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. It's five euro per month, 42 euro for the year. Uh, the site obviously won't change remotely for anybody who doesn't wish to part with any of their hard-earned earned cash. Nothing will change really uh, for you guys. But if you do wish to support independent journalism, then you'll get a lot of extra stuff, including some... Really nice rugby stuff on the way during the World Cup, like extra podcasts. There'll be extra podcasts for unpaid fans of the site as well, so fear not. Uh, reminder as well that we've got a couple of other podcasts as part of that membership program. So we've got uh, Behind the Lines, the sports writing podcast with Gavin Cooney, which everybody is yeah, treating excellent. with rave reviews on Twitter. And the Football Family as well with Paul Dollery. Some unbelievable interviews lined up for that and some unbelievable interviews as well in the can. Uh, great story from Roy O'Donovan getting a bollocking from Roy Keane <laughs> at his time at Sunderland, which tends to be, it tends often to be the case, I think, with uh, players from Cork randomly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, keep your ears peeled, if that's even possible, for those. Uh, reminder, this podcast was brought to you by Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. If you're getting to the game on Saturday, enjoy it. If you're watching from home, enjoy it as well. And we will catch you around the same time next week. Till then, take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is coming Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Then the first pass, and he's oh, 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 oh,